Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. Man, guys, it's such an honor to be here today. Hey, before we do anything, uh, would you go to the Lord in prayer with me? Let's ask him just to uh, speak to us today. I wonder how you need him to speak to you right where you are. Would you just ask him to talk to you? Father, we want to not just walk through the motions of another week, but God, we want to expect you because we know this, that you actually want to commune with us. You actually want to speak uniquely to us, each one in this room. So God, I pray that you would loosen our ears to hear you. God, I pray for a fresh encounter in this room as it's already happened for many in this room. Thank you so much that you are a love like no other. Thank you for this journey that we're on that you don't leave us along the way. God, but you continue on with us every step of the way. Father, speak to us. We're listening in Jesus' name. I pray, amen, amen. Guys, it is such an honor to be back. Can you believe this? Many of y'all don't know, uh, but these are our partners, the Church of Ridgebrook, represented here, Soul Good, represented, whatever you want to call it. But uh, a year ago, Man, a year ago, almost to the date, you guys were here sharing a vision of what you want to go after, and we've partnered with you guys ever since for a year now. Uh, Andrew, bring us in. You can start off our conversation today. Just bring us in, man. What Over a year, like what, what's going on? Bring some of them up to speed as they don't know you, don't know what's been going on, but bring, bring us into the world. Yeah, let's start with what's most important. I'm still changing diapers, you know, so uh, AJ's two years old. But it, it's good to be back, man. I've been smiling ear to ear. Can we thank God for the worship today? I yeah. mean, I'm still leaning back in the loving arms, amen? That was so good. Um, y'all, I sit here like, you know how you just don't know how to explain what God has done with words. You ever been at that place? Like, how do you really express a year later, um, the doors God has opened, his faithfulness. Um, he says, he believe it says in the word that he's faithful even when we are faithless. That's a loving God. Amen? Yeah. And so a year ago, you guys uh, laid hands on our family, and it all began. I was a senior pastor, for some of you that may not know who I am, uh, at Vinor Baptist Church out in Vinor, Tennessee. So it's about 45 minutes away from here, and came back to visit Knoxville when we were hearing some of the numbers were changing regarding uh, criminal activity and, and murder rate, drugs. And so there was a community that we were really close to when we lived in Knoxville, which was Mechanicsville. And so when we heard this report, my wife and I said, man, let's go get some holy chicken from Chick-fil-A and, and go love on the managers who are out there. So we go get this good chicken and Waffle fries. Don't act like y'all don't know. You know how that, how that go. We get the waffle fries. You know about that. And um, we drive in Ridgebrook. And so we park the car, get out, and go just to visit the manager. It's been about two years since we've left Knoxville and we're living and not living, serving in Binor. So when we get in the building, we give the manager the Chick-fil-A, say, hey, it's great to be back at Ridgebrook. Just want to know how's the residence, how's everything going? And the lady said moments later, we were just looking for your phone numbers. 
we were just looking for your phone number. And my wife and I said, what do you mean? We haven't been here in two years. There's no way you were looking for our number. She said, well, since you guys have left, we've begun to face even more challenges. Uh, many people call and ask, how can we help? And when we tell them, they never come back with the help. And so we would like to know if you all are willing to come and be a part of helping making a difference in our community. And my wife and I are like in the time zone, like this makes no sense. We don't even, don't even serve in the city. We're driving past cows and chickens every day to get to Vinor. And so we just, we, we say we'll pretty much pray about it. And so my wife hears, you know, some of the changes that were there from drugs to single moms. I think at the time it was only one marriage out of 140 apartments, you know. And so I came back and they said, by the way, we'll have your key waiting for you. We like your key, <laughs> you know, so we really are amazed. So we go back uh, with a pastor, and this is where Mel is going to jump in the conversation. I don't know if we have a microphone or not. Um, oh, right, you may need one. Yeah, yeah, I know you speak loud, but we're going to get you one. So we come back three or four days later. They have this key that's ready for us. And this is a true story. I'm standing outside the apartment complex and this sweet, beautiful lady pulls up in this wonderful SUV. This woman didn't ask, how are you doing today? We hadn't seen each other in years. She said, how's your family? She didn't say, how are you doing? What's your next sentence? Are y'all coming back? Are y'all coming back? <laughs> y'all, you can't write this, so just remember, we just came to visit. Are y'all hearing the story? Yes, y'all still tracking, right? We were visiting with chicken. How are you doing today? Here's a key to our building. And one of the most beautiful leaders there said, when are y'all coming back? Now, here's what they didn't know. God had already had the answers in the complex. So while they were looking outside of Ridgebrook for all the assistance, they didn't realize all the diamonds already lived there. Yeah, that's good. Sometimes we look at economically challenged areas in our city and assume that means less Jesus. That's right. The Bible does not teach that more money means more Jesus or less money means less Jesus because the Bible does teach that foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. Was Jesus any less because he didn't have a house? Mm -hmm. I don't think so either, right? <laughs> And so all I knew is that we were only being called to the city to come alongside the diamonds that were already there. That's good. And so Mel pulls up shining. She smiles all the time. I don't know if she's going to do a whole lot of smiling. <laughs> and so she pulls up with that gray smile and said, when y'all coming back? And that's when they begin. She was riding with a lady named Gwendolyn. We call her Mama G. And they begin to really break down for me what the office was sharing with some of the challenges that was going on. And so at this point, it's about October-ish, and the management then says, okay, since y'all are considering coming back, I say, okay, great. How are we going to support the community for November and December? What can we do to rally people together in order so that we can make a difference in the community together? Because me and my wife knew from day one what we won't do. We were not going to go in giving a bunch of stuff away and go back home and pat ourselves on the back. No. That handicaps communities. So if you only do a bunch of giveaways, how is that building leadership? Because if you don't live there, you can't be the source of the change. But you can come alongside the people who live there and watch them be a part of that change. Amen? Yeah. So November rolls around. I said, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get a bunch of Thanksgiving boxes and ask two questions. How can we make a difference? And do you want to be a part of leading that difference? 
And so that day, out of 140 units, like 60 people sign up. So they were like, you'll be lucky to get 10. 60 sign up. Now, I've lived a little while, so I knew all 60 didn't even know what I was asking them. You know, so I had to make sure I went to the management to say, all right, who really should I call first? So we make these phone calls. And by this time, I'm having lunch with your pastor at Bravo's. You made me eat like, what was that? What, what did we eat? Oh, uh, octopus. That brother what made me it? eat octopus. Yeah. Like, that's what happens when you expand your network of friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. get introduced to like, nah, this brother, <laughs> I couldn't bleed a man close in my life. I love y'all. Look, sidebar, you know, I don't know if y'all knew so good. We have a, a food truck now. We're at Neyland Stadium Saturday. So we'll be there next two Saturdays. We ran out of flour. So people love chicken at Neyland. That brother took a bicycle and brought me back some flour. That's a friend, y'all. That's a friend. So I, I, I got to give it up. I got a phone. I mean, with that truck, I said, Jay, Jay pulled up on a bicycle with little JP, man. I, I was so proud of him. Lil, Lil, oh, yeah, Lil, tell him was he on the handlebars when he was at? Yeah, right on the hand. I mean, it was the My sweet, mom I mean, said, don't share this out loud. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, no, don't I'm tell sorry, what you've done. Santa's a great mother. Amen. I don't care about Yeah. So, man. So. <laughs> oh, gosh. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So, November comes. We get this list, and we start calling her just, hey, you ready to make a difference? That was the church at Ridgebrook. You know, it's just raw. We met in the community room with our little key, remember? They literally asked, sign this sheet of paper. They put an X on the paper and said, sign here for your key. That was it. No contracts. Here's the key. December comes around, and that's when you guys blessed us, man. Y- y'all took up an offering to help us get a group of Christmas supplies. We gathered a residence, and we handed everyone who lived their Christmas list of what do you need for Christmas this year. And that was the idea of the eight to ten leaders we met at Ridgebrook. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? The diamonds were already there. So I'm saying, guys, what's a good idea for us to get people for Christmas? They said, here's what we need to write you on the list. Remember, Mel, what we said that day? What we said, Mel? Um, it's not on. It's not on. Oh, I got to turn it up. Turn it up. Uh, hello? Oh, there it is. No, I forgot. You, you can do it. So, all right. So tell me if I never ring the bell. Just say it when I start saying this. So I'm thinking, you know, you think Christmas bicycles, right? You think, you know. Um, video games, Nintendos. The people around the table said gloves, mm-hmm. yeah. socks, jackets, tampons, diapers, diapers soap. soap. Mm-hmm. And the leaders there created the list, which showed me why it's so important when we go into communities. Listen to those who live in the community. That's right. That's good. So the residents create this list. And do you remember the day, Mel, when we got the list back, people crying and weeping? So now you begin to have residents weeping for one another. Mm-hmm. This is y'all's prayers. This is what happened after y'all sent us out. Now, the beauty of what we call an asset-based approach versus a needs-based approach, need-based, give away all this stuff, asset-based means we work together with people who live there. Took the resources, and the residents and myself went shopping. And so one of the ladies said, it's great to spend other men's money, you know. So (laughs) fill baskets, got the U-Haul, and the residents and I, for December, served all together the community. So everyone who was serving lived there. Rather than children seeing their parents receive a handout, they saw their, cha- their parents giving a hand up. Amen. Amen. Y'all can celebrate that. So 
that's the beginning of this train, right? And so now Mel kept talking about this young man I had to meet. So we're getting this thing going. We're meeting regularly. We're in God's word, praying over each other, and God is building the church at Ridgebrook. But Andrew, I need you to meet my son. You know, uh, just got out of jail six months ago. You really got to meet him. I'm like, man, I'd love to meet your son, you know, but um, her son wasn't ready to meet me, and uh, her son is here today, so I'm going to pass the mic to him to talk about kind of that beginning part of the journey when December came. Mike, just talk about how you first got connected to the church at Ridgebrook, your first connection to the church at Ridgebrook. All right, I met Andrew, um, it was really when he came to Ridgebrook to pass out the Thanksgiving stuff, you feel me, like... My mama kept telling me about him while I was still incarcerated. I went in at 20, came home at 27. I did seven years of my life in the penitentiary. Um, so, you know, when you get in there, you get depressed, you get miserable, you get, like, you just lose all hope. So every time I'm talking to my mama, she like, man, it's this young man out here. He got good resources to the city, man. He got all this and all that. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can use it. But every time she be like, yeah, he a pastor. I'm like, my mind ain't trying to meet no pastor right now, man. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to live my life. You feel me? So, when it came down to it, I'm trying to sneak in Ridgebrook while they handing out boxes and stuff. And for some reason, my mama just standing outside, so she started yelling at me. She made me stop my car and stuff. So I got in there and meet Andrew. But when I meet Andrew, he was just different from a lot of other like Christians that I know, you get what I'm saying? Like he wasn't really trying to just shove it down my throat, but he had like a vision to build my community up to a different standpoint. And that's all I ever really just hoped for. So when he told me his goal, I shared with him my goal. And with that is like, we met on common grounds, you get what I'm saying? Like, and I grew up in Ridgebrook and Mechanicsville, you know, like, how deep you want me to get? Yeah, yeah, go, go for it. They want you to go, they deep over here. They're very deep. Yeah, 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 he's deep. They're, they're cousins, by the way, y'all, so it's special. All right. Go, 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 go right ahead, son. All right. But what I'm saying is, like, like, I grew up in Mechanicsville and Ridgebrook, you know, like, uh, all my uncles game bangers. I'm a game banger. You feel me? Well, transition game banger. Let's put it like that. You feel me? Yeah. You know, uh, when I first got out of prison, it's like I had all these goals and I had all this ambition to better my life. But when you come home, it's like. You can sit in a room all day and plot and plan and make goals and do all this, but if you don't have the resources to get nowhere, all that really, you know, it, don't, it don't mean nothing. So after a while of me trying to do good and stuff, one of my partners pulled up on me. He was like, man, happy to see you home. And he handed me two ounces of weed and some cash. You get what I'm saying? And I ain't going to lie to you, I was messed up at the time. So that was the introduction to me ruining my life again. So from them two ounces, it moved up, doubled up, all that, to the point where now I'm in this lady's house. This is my mother, by the way, uh, with a pound and a half of high exotic weed. And I'm just like, 
thinking on the man, but what I'm not realizing is it's, I got my daughter here, I got my mama here, I'm in the middle of the projects. Somebody can just run in at any time, kick my mama door in, anything, you feel me? Like from there, I start selling cocaine, started selling pills and everything. So by this time come around, that's when Andrew come in. And Andrew, he sit down with me, he called me to the little room where he got the key at, and it's just me and him. And I think I think Ashley was in the back room. That's that's Ashley a soccer right there to her. You feel me? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but we just talking and everything like that. So this man, he he hit me with one of the craziest questions I ever heard in my life. I swear to God, and I'm sorry. I know I'm in church. I know I'm in church. I apologize. I apologize. But this man looked me in my face. He like, if I if I buy all your your drugs from you and teach you how to become. An entrepreneur the right way, would you would you give me a chance? So I'm looking at it, I'm like, like, yeah. So he like, now nah, I'm serious. I'm like, I'm serious too, yeah. But I in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, this man is talking. There's so many people that come out here talking about they want us to do good, they want us to like be better and all that. And now I, I see him a couple times and never see him again, you feel me? So it was uh, around around Christmas when that storm happened. You posted met up with me, but we couldn't get nowhere because the streets was messed up and everything. So I ended up getting trapped in Ridgebrook where I couldn't get out of my car. And like, I know I had at least two pounds and so much other stuff in there. This man called me as soon as the roads got clear. By that time, I was down to like, what was it, like two ounces, a couple pills and some some other stuff. So he came to me, and this man was like, I'm ready to buy everything. I'm like, cool. But when you buy, you got to buy the street price. Like, I ain't about to just give it to you, you feel me? Like, like this, is my, this is my livelihood. And I'm talking about this man pulled out his phone, went straight to the calculator, added up this, how much that times this, all this other stuff, pulled out his wallet and gave it to me. I was like, oh yeah, you serious? <laughs> you serious, you feel me? So the main question I'm thinking about is, all right, now you got all my dope, what you about to do with it? <laughs> you feel me? So, so this man, he like, all right, you ready for part two? I'm like, yeah. This man hand me my dope back, walk me to the bathroom, and we flushed everything down the toilet. <laughs> So from that point on, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of hard because it wasn't hard not selling drugs. It was just like I was so used to doing other stuff that occupied my time and I started feeling uncomfortable because my days got messed up. I mean, I call this man like 10 times a day, like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. You feel me? Like, he's like, man, just keep, keep focused. I'm like, I need a job. This man ended up getting me a job with um, Hearst Construction. That's how, that's my former right, boss Hugh. right there, Mr. Hugh, you feel me? Yeah. So with that, I started learning a new skill, how to, how to uh, lay pipes, sewer lines and stuff like that. And I'm going to be honest, man, I was not good at it. Like, I'm, I'm not. So from there, he introduced me to a guy named Richard. Now, Richard... 
He's something else, man. Like Richard, Richard a blessing, you feel me? So with that, Richard ended up introducing me to these other people that gave me a job. Now I'm I'm getting paid to travel. Oh, I'm learning how to do commercial refrigeration. I'm actually doing great at it to the point where they giving me pay raises and they Come on. they yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like I'm doing I'm doing excellent at that job. I just had a baby. You feel me? So yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's my second my second little daughter. My first daughter right here. The one that keep going to sleep and everything. But and it's like now I'm I'm getting mentored up under uh, Andrew to start building my own nonprofit, and he he this. Man, Andrew been a blessing to Ridgebrook, man. Like, for real, like, I can't even explain. Like, if I would have never really just sat down to meet Andrew, man, I probably would have been back in prison or dead somewhere or full-fledged, just game-banging to the point where I would have been one of the people destroying the town, but it just showed me what God can do on every level, you feel me? But I ain't going to hold up the mic too much. I'm going to pass this on. Isn't it amazing, like, when we cut on the news, the story we don't get to hear? How many people know that God is still as real now as he was 2,000 years ago when he walked the earth? So with that said, D, I love you, man. I mean, everything you have said, it has been mutual for my life. That don't even... Can I just give you all one quick snippet, then you're going to hear from Miss Lelina. Inside of the church at Ridgebrook, we had two guys from two opposing gangs. So D was connected and affiliated with one part. We had another guy. And these people at one time would have shot at each other. We were able to find support and help this other guy. And, and at the time, uh, the young lady he was dating get a van, and D was the one to hang on an opposing gang member the keys to his vehicle. And these guys just reach out and embrace each other. Love never fails. Mm-hmm. And so as D and I began to get connected, we would talk two in the morning, four in the morning, six in the morning, so we're running. And one day we're riding together, we were leaving Garmay Market, I think. Did we go eat that morning? Oh, yeah, yeah, it was somewhere. <laughs> in, the in the bookstore. Yeah, that was our spot. Barnes and Nobles, while he, loved, he eats books for a living. Um, and I said, man, I want to show you this great park, man. I, there's a park I want to show you called North Shore. When do you take a grown man to the park? I don't know. It, just, I just, I, it was one of the weirdest moments, man. That's how you know it's God stuff. Right? I said, man, I want to show you this park, man. It, it's, it's beautiful. It's tree. We get to North Shore Park. Lena, his cousin, is at this park with his daughter. So we pull up. You say, man, that's like my daughter right there. I said, man, you've never been to this park. It's not your daughter. Turn around. It's her. And little did he know was that Lena and I had been randomly running into each other. I'm with Jared Panera, Lena is there. You know, wherever I'm going, Lena's popping up all over the place. And so God had her at a very unique place. And I didn't know how intricate she would become to everything that God would do at the church at Ridgebrook. All I know is she was eating a lot of Panera and she was showing up at these different places. So 
We get to the park, and at that point, because I really was sending her here. Like, Jay, I was like, Jay is an incredible pastor, because at this point, I'm like, I don't know if she's ready for the church at Ridgebrook. You know, like, church at Ridgebrook, as you know, you got to go to toilets and everything, right? So, um, y'all catch that when you get home. So, I, um, I, I saw her that day, and I said, okay, God, you must really be calling this young lady to maybe do something significant, you know, with us. And so, Lena, I'll let you tell your story about where you were that day and kind of bring everybody full speed and then jail it'll close because it's definitely church and we got a time limit. Hey, yeah. you took all the time is what he's saying. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, D'Angelo, um, like you said, he did um, seven years in the penitentiary. Um, my father did 13 years in the penitentiary. And uh, my father's sister was uh, so my aunt um, still ensured that we had some kind of connection and some kind of relationship with our father's side of the family. And uh, I appreciated that, you know, because um, being raised by a Caucasian mother um, and being mixed in a Halls, Tennessee or Corrington, Tennessee, um, those areas, it was terrible. It was actually terrible. Um, don't know what it means to be black. Um, don't know anything when it comes to my own identity. All I knew is um, I wasn't wanted and uh, I wasn't accepted. And so um, as I grew older, obviously my dad gets out. I'm 13 years old. I start to form bonds and um, really talk to my dad's side of the family and asking so many questions, you know, why does it feel like, you know, I'm judged based off the color of my skin when I don't even know what I've done wrong. And uh, they began to tell me more things and things like that. And so uh, when D'Angelo um, was incarcerated, I kept up with Shiloh. And uh, the reason why we were at the park is because just like my aunt made a difference in my life by making and ensuring that we had a connection and a relationship with our dad's side of the family, I wanted Shiloh to know that she is loved and that, she, that our side of the family, um, which meaning that D'Angelo and Shiloh's mother, Shiloh's mother is actually my cousin. Um, so he's, you know, my cousin by that I gained through um, Shiloh's mom. But um, I wanted her to know, you know, her side of the family. And so I had Shiloh all the time. She cost a lot of money. The only place she wanted to go was Starbucks. I said, my wallet empty. Like, sheesh. No, but uh, I, I really enjoyed it. And so I had my nieces and uh, took Shiloh. And I was like, let's go to this park. Y'all never, I knew they'd never been to Lakeshore Park. And so, um, which is a beautiful park. And I definitely would you know, uh, recommend it, but I wanted to take them to somewhere different. You know, a lot of times that you get stuck in the monotonous of, you know, what's around you. Um, and there's not a lot around, you know, there's not, um, except for gun violence and gangs and things like that. And so took them out, went to Lakeshore Park. And, um, when we were leaving, it was cold. They played for maybe like 30 or 40 minutes. It was cold. So when we were leaving, I was like, Shiloh, will you watch them while I, um, tie one of my niece's shoes? So I'm, my back is turned to Shallow, and I hear, Daddy. And I, it, it sounded like Shallow, but I was like, there's no way D'Angelo Winton is at Lakeshore Park. And I'm sorry, I said his whole government. I'm sorry. Um, I do that quite often. I, anyways, let's move on. Um, y'all didn't hear that. So, uh, so, 
so yeah, so I turn around and D'Angelo's there. And um, I knew about D'Angelo getting out and everything. And I, I came once he got out and I said, cuz I love you and I'm here for you. But I feel like God has changed my life in order for our family to not, no longer have to suffer and have this generational curses. And, um, and I, can't, I can't be close to you if you're going to continue to be in the streets and that's all you care about and that's all you desire. But I love you and I'm here for you. Um, and so me and D'Angelo, we really, I mean, I called him, checked on him sometimes. So I really wasn't close to him at all. So Lakeshore, boom. So fast forward, we're at Lakeshore. And uh, he's like, so we're basically, it's been like two minutes. Like, you know him, you know him, you know her, you know her. Like, it's so it's crazy. Um, but then ever since then, yeah, I was running into Andrew everywhere. He was following me everywhere I went. And yeah, I think he set it up really slick. God ordained everything for us all to be at this park. Um, but anyway, so um, had the opportunity to, um, to, you know, meet them while we were at the park. And um, I think it was like two weeks later, D'Angelo was like, he called me. He was like, where are you at? And I was like, I'm driving. What are you doing? And he was like, come to this meeting with me. And I was like, meeting? Like, what meeting are you talking about? What did I skip? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so long story short, you only got time limit. So long story short, after I kept seeing Andrew, I was like, Lord, whatever this is, I feel like you need to intervene and let me know, you know what I'm saying, give me wisdom. And so I went to a Ridger book and I was like, D'Angelo, it doesn't happen on purpose. I mean, it didn't happen on coincidence that we're all meeting each other and you're running into Andrew. And you know what I'm saying? I was like, so I feel like God's really trying to move, you know what I'm saying? And um, I'm here for you. I'm a phone call away and I feel like we need to connect on a deeper level just to kind of get you out the neighborhood. And so that happened, you know, and then D'Angelo asked me to come to this meeting and I'm like, what meeting? And um, it was church at Ridgebrook and I went there the first night and I just never stopped going. And like, that's, that was my church and that is my church. And um, yeah, so I worked with Chick-fil-A for about six years. I was working while I was in the group and um I decided that I no longer wanted to work at Chick-fil-A anymore. Great business. I'm so grateful for my opportunity. Um, but I decided to move past that. And I thought I had an opportunity at KUB. Um, that door closed very quickly. So I called Ashley and Andrew Balling on the phone. And I was like, I don't know what I've got to do. And uh, they gave me an opportunity. And they gave me an opportunity to better myself and to learn um, what it's like to open up a business. And that's where so good comes into play. Oh, amen. Good, amen. Um, so I'm gonna hand it to Jay. Jay has a couple of questions. I think we're getting close to that. So I'm gonna just give you, hallelujah, amen, family. Come on. Look at what the Lord has done. And so I'm gonna just fill in a couple of blanks for you. D'Angelo flushes his drugs down the toilet. Two people in a church at Ridgebrook flushes the drugs they were selling down the toilet after he does. Mm. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. After this happens, we thought to ourselves that, man, all the people selling drugs, I think they told us like 50% of the people on drugs. We said, we got entrepreneurs here. We just got to find a way to switch their product. Mm -hmm. So we already knew we had great hustlers. I mean, they're not sleeping. We are, and then after that, we had Lena come in and I talked to my wife. I said, sweetie, we have to create businesses if we're going to give people a chance. Because we can't buy everybody's drugs, but if we have somewhere for them to go, 
we at least can then get them making income. And so when Lena came and I was like, hey, what about a restaurant? You believe Lena could be the one? And it was a no-brainer, my wife, and I absolutely knew that would be the next person. And so this whole So Good experience happens. And then Melody was like, I'm coming. You know, it was no question. Like she didn't even, no, no interview, just I'm there. So we've been paying her ever since. And um, another young lady who's a single mother there is named Amy. I wish she was here today. She almost came, but she has a children this weekend. Amy, last year, overdosed and died. They Narcaned Amy back to life, and she celebrated one year sobriety at Soul Good. Man, every day, leading that front counter with joy, with love, and just to watch a woman now fighting to get her children back, working a steady job. So for us, our slogan is chicken tastes better than dope, amen? So if we, if we can keep that chicken flowing, and I'll just end there and say the soul good journey is nothing more than a mission of the church at Ridgebrook. In a community that's economically challenged, we knew we wanted to have a place of love, a place where people from all walks of life can come. We believe the Bible prays that we all may be one, not racial reconciliation. I always say that bar is way too low because you can pick that up and put that down whenever you want. Jesus prayed that we be one so the world can know we were sent by him. That's the purpose of that table. Number two, elevating leadership in the community. And number three, serving the servants. How do we bless those who bless others? So that's why we exist there uh, in that location. And so now we'll flip it back to Pastor Jay and say again, thank you for your prayers and helping make all these stories possible. We love yeah. you. We appreciate you. You know, I, I believe that I'm actually sitting here today as well because uh, of Andrew. What you allow God to do through you is why I'm still sitting here. That's for sure, my brother. I need you to know that, man. I appreciate you. Love you, sir. Yeah. But I think Andrew and I talk a lot about this, and he would say, to God be the glory. I know that. But it's a guy who says yes to Jesus in every way and every moment. So Jesus touched my life through Andrew. I said, thank you, Jesus. But that man says yes to Jesus. And I would say, you can too. You can too. We all can. But we have to choose to receive what Jesus said, not what we want to say. We got to choose to follow Jesus and what he told us to do, not what we want to do. And then people's lives will be changed by Jesus. I, I was touched by Jesus through a man who said yes to him. Thank you, my brother. Oh, be the glory, man. You know that's mutual. Yep. That's no. mutual. That's mutual. mutual. Our life groups are going through this verse, and I want to read this to us. God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. Listen to that. God is the one who provides seed for the farmer to plant. He's also then the one who provides the meal or the bread to eat after. Mm -hmm. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Let me tell you, you guys have brought us 
a blessing today. And I know every one of us feels thankful in our soul, do we not? So we're seeing the reality of this verse. This verse is preaching itself, like it's just the truth. And so we sit here as you guys bring us the blessing, we are encouraged and thankful. Because God has given to you something that you didn't keep for yourself, you let it go. Seed in your hand has potential. It can grow when you let it go. I pray that every single one of us understand not what we don't have, but we understand what God has placed, what we do have. Begin to understand the seeds that he's placed in your hands. Begin realizing that everything that actually is in your hand is a grace gift from God. And if we'll say yes to him, he'll use us. He says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. You can always be generous. But some of us don't realize that because we're so focused on what we don't have, not on what we do have. God has placed in your hands everything he wants you to let go of for it to grow. God has given you his word. Would you let it go? God has told you the steps to take. Would you go? And if you'll go, you will reap the harvest. My brother today, with the thankfulness in my heart as I extend it back to him, is blessed beyond words. But it's just the truth being extended back. This is how it works. Receive the truth. And when you take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. I pray that we realize what God has placed in our hands today because I believe there's many people around us who just need to thank God. Would you let go of what he's placed in your hands to see this great harvest continue to increase? I believe this is just the beginning and God is gonna continue to do incredible things, more than we can think or imagine. And many of you guys are coming alive in fresh ways in your neighborhood. You're speaking the truth to your neighbor and love. You're walking out the truth so people are beginning to experience. It's only gonna continue. And I know it's only gonna continue here with the church at Ridgebrook. So as we close today, would you join me in praying for the church at Ridgebrook? Yeah. Come on, AJ, preach that thing, Join me today, guys. Let's pray. And here's what I want to pray a couple things. Would you ask him, show me what you've actually given me? Sometimes it's hard to see because we think about what we don't have. But God, show me what you've actually given to me. Father, we as your people understand that everything good comes from you. God, would you open our eyes to what you've placed in our hands and help us never to hold that because it's not ours. It was a grace gift from you and we recognize that, God. Lord, give us wisdom of what to do with it, when to let it go and how to let it go, God. God, we pray over this church right here, God. We pray over the journey that we are on together God, that you would honor that prayer. Just continue to make us one so that the world understands and knows you, God. Father, I pray that you would draw men to yourself more and more and more and more. 
And God, we wait with full expectation, knowing that you have answered and you are going to answer and you are going to increase. And as increase comes, God, open our eyes to what you want us to do. We just say yes to whatever that is because we know that you're good and we can trust you. Thank you for being a good father. And bless our friends in the name of Jesus tonight. Amen, amen. Guys, can we give them a hand today and say thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, my brother. I saw this. Uh, I saw this principle happen this week as well. We're walking on Tuesday, and I get a call from my friend Catherine. I mean, Catherine does event parties and all that. You know, last week when we were at Lakeshore, she was a big part of just making that happen. So thank you, girl. You're amazing. So Kat calls me up, though, and she says, Jay, I did an event, and I got all these things left over, like 30 bags of food. I believe Catherine had a decision she, had, she could make. You could have probably fed your family for about two solid weeks. But you decided, you were like, hey, I'm going to pray. God, tell me what to do with this. And we come to your mind. So you call me up and you say, hey, could you do anything with this? And I say, sure. God told me. When you called me, I said, you need to come too. So Catherine shows up on Tuesday and brings all these bags and Lance with her. And I was in a hurry. So I brought my entire family. And so we're all there. I mean, it's chaos and crazy. It's awesome. And we're like, Lord, what do you want to do? Take us. And guys, something happened like that night that like really affected me. I watched my kids take these bags that another woman offered to them and they gave them away on the street. I just watched. And I watched people like overflow as my two-year-old son walks up and can barely talk. It's like, hey. people are like, oh my God, what is this? Lance, the same thing so excited about giving this stuff away. I watched the next day. This is what was revelation for me though. We got in the car and I do carpool in the morning. I take my kids to CAK and my daughters are in the back. We pick up our nieces and when they get in the car, the first things my kid says, you're never gonna believe what we did. We did something awesome. We gave away food. They were so excited to tell about what they had been a part of. Thankfulness was rising. All because somebody decided to give away what had been placed in her hands. You had no idea that many people were going to be blessed by 30 meals when you were making that stuff. You had no idea. But guess what God did? So guys, I don't know what God's doing. But when we say yes to him, he'll do far more. What has he placed in your hands? I pray, you re, I pray that you re-envision what he's placed in your hands. I pray you get a fresh vision for work. I pray you get a fresh vision for your home. I pray you get a fresh vision as you walk the street in Knoxville. I pray you get a fresh vision as you come in here. What has God placed in your hand to give away? Because I promise you, as you decide to let go, God's gonna do what he does. So we'll say, thank you. Father, we say thank you today. And we want to close by singing thank you today. Would you stand with us? And we're going to finish by doing that.